we are on we are on the second to last Amit in Bracha, Samach Gimam days. We are smack in the middle of the wide, I, mean, I guess a little more than halfway down the wide, wide lines. We're up to a Gemara that says as follows. Amri de Bereb We're coming off a Gemara that we learned Thursday night. The Gemara had said that if a person, that if a person, um, it, it's, if a person wants to learn successfully, he first has to learn up and then chop up the learning. Haskes Ushmai Yisrael. Says the Gemara, like, you know, related to that, but not directly. Amri Debeir Abiyanai. My Diksiv, what is Pshat in Pasik in Mishle that says as follows? Kimitz Chalav. Mitz is is the juice. Like in modern Hebrew, you know, you want to call oranges a mitz tabuzim, mitz anavim. So mitz is the juice. Kimitz chalav, the juice of milk, which you, means what you squeeze out of the milk, yaitzichema, will produce butter. If you like, you churn the milk, you'll get butter. Umitzaf, the juice, the produce, what you squeeze out of af. So af either means nose or more likely anger. So the product of anger, yaitzidam, will produce blood. Umitzapayim, and the juice, the produce, what you squeeze out of double anger, apayim, yaitziriv, will produce an argument. What does this mean? Says the Gemara, b'mi'ata By who do you find the butter of Torah? Butter meaning the cream of the crop, the best part, the most most, uh, intense, concentrated part of the milk is the butter. By who do you find the butter of Torah? By someone who literally spits up the milk that he nursed from his mother, Aleha, on him, which means... If a person was raised on a steady diet of mother's milk and he literally has so much milk he spits up, he will produce butter. What's this referring to? It's referring to the last Gemara. If a person was raised with a steady diet of tons of Tyra, he was nursed with tons of Tyra until he's literally regurgitating it, until literally he's able to spit it back, he will produce the butter of Tyra. So the butter of learning, like we said in the last Gemara, we said in the last Gemara that the more information you gather up, like we call learning Bikiyas, before you chop up the learning and learn it Bikiyan, the more successful you'll be. So that's what the Gemara is relating to this passage. Someone that was fed a steady diet of mother's milk, which means when they were young, they were learning up and nursing and nursing and nursing and nursing and learning so much information until literally it was regurgitating. By them, you will find the butter of Tyra, which is how to learn Be'in, to chop it up, to churn it, to process it properly. Continues the Pasik. Umitz af yoitzidam. And the juice of anger, what you squeeze out of anger, will produce blood. What does that mean? Called Talmud Shekayis Rabbi Alav. Any Talmud who allows his Rebbe to be angry at him, Pamri Shaina, a single time, the Shaisik and he's silent, which means mitzaf, the product of anger, doesn't like mean anger as in like smacking the kid. It means anger as in like mamish educating. No, you learned the sugi wrong. Listen how you learned wrong. Listen how you were saying. Let me show you how you misread the Gemara. 
that that's the anger. If you if the Talmud allows himself to be gotten angry at, and and you know of course in a constructive way, there's no there's no constructive purpose to anger anger, but it means if a, if you, the Talmud allows his Rebbe to like, to tear it apart, let me show you how you made ten mistakes in your assumption of the Kashi Yasmi. Mean, you assumed A, that's not true. You therefore concluded B, not true. You therefore assume C, not true. If you allow yourself to be deconstructed like that, The product of anger is blood, which means if you allow the Rebbe to be angry and show you how to learn, you will then be successful in paskening between different types of blood, which is apparently a higher stage of learning than the first, than the first Gemara. And finally, umitz apayim, yoitzi riv, and somebody who is the juice, the product of two angers, will produce arguments, which means, called Talmud, a Talmud, shekayisal of rabbi, pamrishayna, vishniya, that allows his rebbe to repeatedly get angry at him, which means he subjects himself, as we'll see in a second, we'll talk about this in the next Gemara, he subjects himself to repeated barrages from the Rebbe. You know, it's famous, like Rebaran Cutler and Shear, the, the Bachram used to measure themselves what kind of insult they got out of Rebaran. You know, um, I remember they, they, um, they, they used to have a chilek. Some people, Rebaran, would call a tech, like a, a, a Turk, like a Turkman. They're Vildechayis. So you'd say, you know, let's say a tech. Sometimes he would call you a shikar and tech, a drunken Turkman. So what's what's different? They have like a pshat. Like when you said this kind of mistake, you're stomach Turk. We said that kind of mistake, you're a drunken Turk. And, and Reb Aaron would, Reb Aaron, like it was it was violent. Reb Aaron used to come in there, and if you would have, but anyone that, trust me, the guys who got the insults from Reb Aaron ended up being the G'dayli Adar of the next star. The guys who were too timid, as we'll see in the next Gemara, Tahakan, because I was scared to get an insult, they remained less less quality tamuchacham. So if a person allows himself to be subject of the repeated barrages of the Rebbe, then Zeichelahavchen he will not only know how to paskin dam like the last gemar Yeridea, he'll also know lahavchen ben dine mamnes dine nefashis. He will even know how to paskin dine mamnes and dine nefashis. And what is so amazing about Dine Mominus? The Tanan Rabbi Shmuel Oimer, a person that wants to be smart, Yasek Bidine Mominus. He should handle Nezikin, Dine Mominus. There is no area in Taira, more than them. It's like a spring that just keeps flowing. It's the deepest part of Taira. So that you know, as a continuation of the last Gemara, the last Gemara was talking, the mile of learning a lot of Gemara, so that is stage one in this three-stage Pasuk and Mishlei. Avada stage one in becoming a grace of Tamalham, a grace of Pasuk, is learning up a lot when you're a kid. Stage two is allowing the Rebbe to get angry. Stage three is allowing the Rebbe to repeatedly get angry at you. That produces the highest level of Pasuk. And nowadays we call it peer review. Now, Says the Gemara, what's the pshat? Ends off the Gemara, this sugya, what's the pshat? My diksiv. What's pshat in the Pasik? In Navalta, if you became minovel, like Navalta, like Lush and novel, disgusting. Behisnase, when you're lifted up, vim zamus. 
But if you're negligent, like Zoymeim, if you're negligent, Yad Lepeh, hand to mouth. So what is this possibly Mamish is, is, you know, cryptic. If you're disgusted and you're being lifted up, if you're negligent, hand to mouth. What does that mean? Any person who allows himself to be disgusted over Divrei Taira, which means, look in Rashi, look in Rashi, a person who's willing to ask his Rebbe, all of his Sveikas, this will inevitably cause people to laugh at you. Oh, here he goes with his questions again. He needs that repeated and that repeated and that further explained and that and that gone over again. If he's if he's manuval, if he's allowed himself to be laughed at and made fun of, he will be uplifted. And if he's negligent, which means, says Rashi, Vim Zamas, Shesasamta Piv, you kept your mouth silent, Melishoil, from asking Lushan Zomam. Rashi learns not like I said negligent. Um, Rashi says Zomam, he explains the rest of the the rest of the Rashi. Zomam was a tool that they used to I'm not speaking for Peter here, they used to like drill through the animal's nose and then and then like put like a like a pick down the mouth. And it would like it would like shut the mouth, it would and it would stop the animal from fressing too much food. So if you do that to your mouth, if you like install that like silencer, then yad lepeh, when someone asks you a question, you're gonna have that dumb look. Yad lepeh, like when you have nothing to say, you put your hand over your mouth. It's like me at child shudas when they sing. You know, if if you don't have anything to say, you put your hand over your mouth. So, so says the Gemara, that's what's going on here. So there's a Sefer, I saw someone quote a Sefer. The Sefer is called Yain Levonen by someone from Naftali Hirsch Wiesel and it was printed in Berlin. Now, I found someone named Naftali Hirsch Wiesel in Berlin in the 1800s when the Sefer was printed. He was like a big Moscow. I don't think he was from. His picture definitely doesn't look from. So I hope this is another Sefer, but if not, it's still a good word. Um, so I saw I saw his var from Naftali Hirsch Wiesel, and he said like this: The Gemara says, "Lecharve Yushalayim el b'shil she bizu batamini chachamim." Yushalayim. It's one of the Gemaras. Why was the Beis Hamikdash destroyed? Beis Hamikdash was destroyed because they embarrassed Tamini chachamim. So that caused the Beis Hamikdash to be destroyed. I mean, it's not a good thing. It's definitely not helpful to society when we're Mavaz and Tamachacham, but it led to the downfall, the destruction of the Besides, Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because they were over Halachas. Be it the Gimel Hamurus in the first Beis HaMikdash, be it Ben Adam in the second Beis HaMikdash, well, they were over Halachas. So, so he explains, doesn't quote this Gemara, but he basically says the same Vart. If it's a climate that, that people are made fun of, for trying to learn, then that is the quickest way to stymie advancement in learning. In an environment where questioning and the ability to ask and the ability to feel comfortable asking any question, you know, I know it sounds cliched, but we always say there's no such thing as a dumb question. If there's such an if you could if you could talk effectively communicate that to kids and people in general, 
then, and there's, there's no such thing as a dumb question. So he asked the question and you knew the answer, who cares? It's not a reason to be mavazahim. If, if questioning and, and trying to pursue Yidias is, is something that's respected in society, then only one thing happens. Yidias, Yidias HaTayra, education, all becomes greater. The minute it becomes like self-conscious and there's, and there's an inhibition to ask a question and like, you know, people just say, you know what? I'd rather be dumb then be laughed at. So that produces the dark ages. That produces an environment, and imamish spirals. And it was in, in the dark ages, people like had like, you know, it's like certain neighborhoods in Baltimore, people have like an aversion, oh, you, you know something, you're a bad person. If you have Yedeus, you're, you're inherently a bad person. And, and therefore, it spirals. So he said, you know why the Beis was destroyed? It wasn't the pshat that they laughed at Tamid Chacham. Ha ha, you're a fruma guy, whatever. They laughed at Tamid Chacham like that. They laughed at, at the pursuit of knowledge, which caused widespread amaratsis. Widespread amaratsis leads to a society that doesn't know anything. And that's why the Beis Amigdash was destroyed. So someone wanted to shtel tzu. I'm not sure exactly tzu shtel, but I think it's a good tzu shtel. The, the gra in Ein Elio asks Akasha that the Gemara, or yeah, a lot of people ask Akasha. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says, why was Gechazi Nenash? Gechazi was Elisha's Talmud, but he got punished. Why was he punished? Because he called his Rebbe by his first name. <coughs> he called his Rebbe by his first name. Frank the Marsha in Sanhedrin and that Gemara on Dafkuf uh, the Pusik says that Gehasi was punished because he took bribes. So, so which one is it? Did Gehazi get punished because he took bribes? Or did Gehazi get punished because he called his Rebbe by his first name? So, so the Maral explains something along these lines. The Maral explains that if a person has a Rebbe that he respects, i.e. doesn't call by his first name, Congra by his first name is not, is not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just that he doesn't have someone in the role of a Rebbe. A person that doesn't have someone in the role of a Rebbe can get corrupted. And that's what it means. It's the same thing by Gehazi. Why was Gehazi punished? Because he was corrupted. He took bribes. Why was he corrupted? Because he had no one to slap him back into place. He had no one to correct him. He had no one to say, no, 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 no. That's not how we act. If you don't have a Rebbe, meaning you call your Rebbe by his first name, if you, if you don't have someone who you can look up to and accept Musa from, the inevitable result is that your moral compass gets messed up and you end up being corruptible. So it's saying the same thing. Why did Gehazi get punished? Because he took bribes. It's tantamount to saying you became corrupted, you, had, you lost your moral compass, and you lost your way. Fine. Says the Gemara. So that was, that all that was Rabbi Yehuda's speech. We said that five Tanoim walked into Yavne and they each said a drasha on Kavratayr. Rabbi Yehuda went first, he said a drasha on, on Kavratayr, and then he talked about Kavratayr. Now it's the next Tana's turn. Pasach, Rabbi Nechemya, Nechemya took the next drasha. And he said like this. Vidarsh, my dixiv, Vayemer Shal Alakani. Shal told the king. So Azevi, the Israeli army now has a zach that if they're gonna if they're gonna bomb a building in Gaza, 
they call it, they knock on the roof. Which means they, they have like some type of like percussion bomb that goes off before that. First they drop leaflets and they try to announce it on the radio, but you know, they think they're lying. So they like put like this, like this percussion bomb that like basically blasts the windows out. And like then, then the people in the building cop, like, you know, they know our address and then they get out. So it's a, it's a nice way, it's a humane way, it's a humanitarian way of, of minimizing civilian damage. So Shalom Melech, when he was about to attack a population, there were Kini, there, there were someone from the Kini, there were, like, it's not Canaanites, it's someone from the Kini, who was interspersed in there. And Shaul didn't want them to become collateral damage amongst the people he was about to kill. Go. You better get out of this area of Amalekim. Because if you're here, when I steamroll this place, you're going to get included. Lest I gather you with them. And I don't want to kill the Kani. Why don't I want to kill the Kani? Because the Kani, the nation Kani, did great chesed to Klai Yisrael. Wait, where did the nation of Kani ever do chesed to Klai Yisrael? The Terence is, it's not the nation. There was one famous citizen of that nation. His name was Yisrael. And he did chesed to one Jew. His name was Moshe Rabbeinu. Yet when it goes down in history, it doesn't go down in history as a very, very narrow event of one Kani doing one chesed to one Yid. It goes down that the nation of the Kani did chesed to the nation of the Yidden, and because of that, I'm willing to save a whole population. And says the Gemara, it's a Kavachemer. The Kani referring to is, is Yisrael, and the Yid referring to is Moshe. Now, yes, Yisrael did host Moshe. Why did he host Moshe? Because he wanted him to marry his daughter. It, it was like, you know, hosting him for a date. So he, ha- he hosted him. The whole thing was for Kavad Atzmai. Kach is rewarded with such reward. The host families who are hosting Tamini Chachamim in the Yeshiva in Yavnem that are putting up the Bacham in the Yeshiva for room and board, which is a real favor, and there's no Shalai Lishma, and it's much harder than Stam, what Yisrael did for Moshe. And he gives him to eat and drink, and benefits him from his property. Imagine how much more reward he would get. And that was from the Chemius Drasha of the reward and the fortune of the people that are able to host the, the Yeshiva Bacham. Now this is one of many Gemars, three or four of which we've had in Brachas, of the, the, the Maila of Machileu, Mashkeu, Umahaneu of Tamir Chachamim. And it's, it's a very interesting theme we find, that besides the Indian to be good to Tamir Chachamim in general, we constantly find this thread of Machileu Umashkehu. For instance, the Gemara in Yuma says, the Gemara in Yuma says that, that if you want to experience the godless of Nisachayayin, if you want the reward of Nisachayayin, the Chshivas of Nisachayayin, if you want that experience, no problem. Go to Tamachacham, 
Go to Tamachacham, Emaloi Groinam Shal Tamachacham. Fill the, the throats of Tamachachamim with wine. That's a similar experience. Again, food <coughs> In fact, the Ramam in Sefer Mitzis, in Mitzis Essay Vav, it says, there's a mitzvah, Lechabram Tamachacham, Ulahachil Tamachacham, and to feed a Tamachacham. The Ramam in Hilchas Deis says, Mitzis Essay Lehidabek Betamachacham, it's fascinating, which means, which means there's this constant dogish, not simply on helping out not simply on being good to Tamini Chachamim. There's this, there's this constant refrain of being Mahana Tamini Chachamim and enjoying food with the Tamil Chacham. What's up, shots? I was thinking it's it's a continuation of the last Gemara that that the Tabachacham is especially helpful in, in giving a person a mahala and how to live in Elam Hazah. So the more Gashmias you experience through the lens of the Tabachacham, the more of a view you'll have on how to live life, which means there's two in Yonim. There's the Indian of you helping the Tamachacham, there's the Indian of the Tamachacham, like we saw in the last Gemara. It, uh, the more a person's embarrassed to ask a shayla, the more a person's ashamed to ask a shayla, the less information will be out there. The more a person has a connection to Tamachacham to the granular level of eating and drinking, the way you eat and drink with the Tamachacham is, uh, is, is vital in the Tamachacham. By the way, this is a source for all chesidish uh, etishin, that, that they could have, for the same price, have a, a meeting without food. Why is it that every single get-together has to be over food? The answer is this Gemara, that it's, it's with a Tamachacham, it elevates the whole thing. It's not simply a connection of Tamachacham being a Paisik. It's, it's a how to live like a Tamachacham. And that, that's that Dagesh that you find over and over and over again. Okay, let's do, let's do one more Gemara. Rabbi Yaisi then also said a drasha about how great it is to host Yeshiva Bacham. Vidarsh, you're not allowed to hate the Edoimi. He's your brother. Esav and Yaakov are brothers. You're not allowed to hate a Mitzri. Because you were hosted in his country. The Mitzrim were great hosts. They really were gracious to us, and they really, really were looking out for our good. The Egyptians hosted us for one reason, enslaved us for one reason, is to keep us down on the farm. That they were afraid that we would become too mighty and powerful, so they kept us down. Yet... Kach, they're rewarded with such preferential treatment. They're rewarded with such recognition. Someone that hosts Tamachachum, Achileu, Mashkeu, and gives him to eat and drink, and gives him benefit from his property, all the more so how much reward he will get. Okay. We'll continue from here tomorrow night. Okay. We are in the bottom of Samach Gimelam we have one speech left. And it sounds like a shout of um, So, so we, we started 
in the in the either at the beginning of the zman, the end of the zman, the drushes and the yeshiva in Yavne. And the five Tanoim came came over there and gave the drushes. Officially, they were all bechved achsanya, but Rabbi Yehuda also darshin bechved atayra. So we went through all the drushes. Beautiful. One last drush. Interesting drush. Last drush. Five lines, four lines in the bottom of Samach Gimel and Mabez. Pasach Rebeliezer Benoi Shabiyasi Aglili. Rebeliezer Benoi Shabiyasi Aglili said the following drush. Bechvedachsanya, once again, he was talking about Kvedachsanya. Vidarash and he darshaned as follows. We know that the terrible, terrible, terrible battle that Klaizor lost to the Plishtim amongst the terrible casualties that happened was so demoralizing, well, like the worst, like, you know, it's hard to say something worse than a human casualty, was the fact that the Oren Bris Hashem was captured by the Plishtim. And, and the Plishtim quickly decided this was the gift that they don't want to have. And they experienced gefalach of physical symptoms, which we're not going to get into. And, and they just sent the Oren packing. And they put it on a cow. The cow took it back to Yisrael. And it was stored in someone named Ovid Edem Hagiti's house. And Ovid Edem Hagiti housed the Oren. And, and as we saw, the Oren is a good guest. Very low maintenance guest. It doesn't make noise. It doesn't eat food. It doesn't bother you. It doesn't keep you up late at night. It's a great guest. So even Edna Magiti housed the Oren for a while in its transition between the Plishtim and when we found it a, wouldn't say permanent home, a more permanent home. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu repaid Ivan Edaim Hagiti with great reward. Because he housed the Aaron. So Eliezer said, hosting Yeshiva Bachar is much, much, much harder than hosting the Aaron. The Aaron doesn't eat. Bishasa doesn't drink. What is the entire effort involved in hosting the Aaron Kaidish? You should sweep in front of it. It should be kept nice and neat. Elikovet Verovitz in front of you, clean and sweep in front of it. Kach, such reward is given. We'll see what that is in a second. Hamarach Tamachacham Besech Besa, you, the residents of Yavna who are hosting Shiva Bachram. And they, they're a lot more uh, labor-intensive than an Aaron. They never make their bed. They do, you know. Um, I, I heard, by the way, in, in, in Poland, they, I forgot who, one of the Rebbes had a yeshiva. And they asked him, like the story is like, loses half its geschmack when you don't have a name. But one of the Rebbes had a yeshiva. And they asked him, why don't you open a dorm? And he said, that's the worst thing. He said, if a yeshiva bachar is in someone's house, he, he has to say, good morning, Mr. Schwartz, every morning. And he has to say, thank you, Mr. Schwartz, for the ex, for eggs for breakfast. And since he's at the Schwartz's house, his shoes have to be somewhat polished. 
and the shirt has to be somewhat clean. If a guy's in a dorm, <laughs> and I think most of you know this is true, kids learn forms of communication like, mm. and, and, and they have like, the mamish lose like 75% of their humanity in a dorm. So, so it, it's a, you know, it's a mirror that goes out, but it, it's labor intensive having yeshiva bacher in your house. So, Allah has come. Come and that was his speech thanking the achsanoim of Yav. By the way, now we finish all the speeches. What was the great reward that Eved Adam got that we're basing this Kavachemer off of? My Hebracha Shabarach. What was the reward that Eved Adam got? Amr Bihud Bar Zvida. It's referring to his wife, Chamois. Chamois is Mrs. Eved Adam. And her eight daughter in laws. That they each had six kids per. Karas means stomach. And in, in like other animals, we call it litter. But I don't know like what to call it. Like she had six kids at a shot. And it was the wife plus the eight daughter-in-laws all had six kids at a shot. How do we know? Shenemar Palti Ashmini. I worked on all eight. Viksiv Kibarchu Elikim Kol Eila Mibnei Oved Edaim Hema Ubenei and Vachayim Ishchayel. All of them bekayach laavoda shishim ushtayim leved Edaim. It equaled sixty-two to Oved Edaim. How do you figure sixty-two? So he had his wife and eight sons that had eight daughter-in-laws. So that's nine. Nine fertile women. All nine of them had shisha b'karasachon. That's nine times six, TMF, 54. Plus the original eight of his kids, 62. So that's how you get to 62 kids for Evedetim. So Evedetim's reward for hosting the Arin was a boom, a, a, a baby boom of 60, you know, from, from eight to 62, 54 person baby boom. <clears throat> Everyone asks, slow down. Evedem hosted the Aaron for three months. So Frank de Ridva, Frank de Ridva, how is it evident that in the three months that he hosted the Aaron, he got this reward? It's Masha, while he had the Aaron, the reward for hosting the Aaron, in, in the time that he had the Aaron, he had this many kids. So the, the Ritva brings Yerushalmi, which, oh, you know, the Ben Yayada brings Yerushalmi, brings Yerushalmi, and Yerushalmi says, what was going on is like this. It's a very good night for Yankee not to beer. <laughs> the, what was going on is like this. They were pregnant for seven days. They had a baby. They were tummy for seven days. They were pregnant for seven days, had a baby. They were tummy for seven days. So again, TA math, that's baby every two weeks. There's two of them in a month, and there's three months. That's six babies. And that's what it means, Bekeras Echad. In three months, which for a normal woman is the time of Hooker Ubra. In a normal woman, that's a time you could recognize a child. So in the time of a recognized child, they had six babies. How so? <laughs> a baby every seven days, seven days of Tumah. Start again, a baby after seven days, seven-day pregnancies. You repeat that over six months, each over three months, each woman had six babies. The Gura says that Yushalmi argues with Arbavli. 
That probably doesn't hold to that. I mean, you, you fit it into the words, no pun intended, but karasachet in one, in one stomach. The Gura says, what happened was like this. How did you have a nace within three months? The Gura says, when you're having six babies, when you're having six babies, the hooker obra, which happens at three months, is so massive, you could tell that there's a bracha in there. Which means, you don't ask a lady if she's having twins. It's not, it's not generally a good thing to ask. because, then, <laughs> But it does, if a lady's having six babies, by the time she's three months pregnant, she's already like that. So Mimela says the Gra that the, the, the hooker ubra, which happens after three months, in and of itself was self-explanatory of having six babies, and that's how the bracha happened within, within three months. That wasn't that a time when they kept two weeks for a girl? What they were boys. I thought about that. They were boys. So Shivas Yamim for a boy, there are boys. That's the thing. It wouldn't, it wouldn't no girls. That's how it worked out. If it would be a girl, there would have to be four and a half months. It would be a mess up everything. Okay. Fine. Says the Gemara Vait. We now, in the last lines in Brachas, go to a series of members of Rav Oven Halevi, which I have not found a great connection. The Tzlach is busy with it. What exactly the connection to begin with is, and what exactly the connection within these sugyas are. But, connection or no connection, they're fascinating. Omar Reb Ovin Halevi. I don't know, three lines into Samach Dalad. Omar Reb Ovin Halevi. If a person tries pushing the hour, which means, if something's not ready to happen yet on its own schedule, but you want it to happen, and you try pushing the hour, and you try controlling time, someone who tries pushing time, time pushes back. You're not going to master time. You're not going to control time. And if you think you're going to control time, time will end up controlling you, and you'll end up not being in control of your time. And anyone who allows himself to be pushed off by the hour, anyone who allows himself to be controlled by time, meaning, okay, if you know if it's time, it's time. If it's not time, it's not time. I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be pushing time. Whatever it is, it is, I'll take it. Then that person Eventually, time will be pushed away from him. Sounds like a very profound statement. What does it mean? So the Gemara gives an example. Gemara gives an example. How do we know this? From the story of Rabba and Rabbi Yosef, that once upon a time, in the days of Rabba and Rabbi Yosef, there was a vacancy in the Rashiva position. And they needed a new Rashiva, and the two leading candidates for Rashiva were Rabba and Rabbi Yosef. And each rabbi and Rabbi Yosef had a, had a mila. Rabbi was a big lamdin. Rabbi was a huge lamdin. Rabbi Yosef was a huge bucky. Rabbi Yosef had yidias, mamish, all over. The question is, what's more prestigious? What's more chashiv? What takes precedence? A person that's a lamdin 
or a person that's a bucky. And this is how they phrase the Shiloh. They sent the Shiloh to Rabbi Yosef Sinai. Rabbi Yosef was a Sinai. What's Pshat Sinai? So the standard Pshat Rashi and Hurrius, there's an identical Gemara and Hurrius. So a lot of the tire we get from here is from Gemara and Hurrius. So Rashi and Hurrius says that, that he knew the information as if it was given on Sinai. On Sinai was the greatest repository of information. So a person who is a holder of such massive information, we call him a Sinai. The Iyun Yaakov, which is the premier Mepharshim, Dan Yaakov, says that the Vard is that on Sinai it says Nasev Inishma. Nasev Inishma, how appropriate for us. Nasev Inishma means we will do and we will do again. We will chazer. The way to become a Sinai is to do what they did on Har Sinai, Nasev Inishma. Nasev Inishma is not just Nasev Inishma, it's the key to becoming a Sinai. You want to become a Sinai? You want to be kind of information? Nasev Inishma, chazer. And that's, and that's why someone who's a Baki is called a Sinai. But either way, Rabbi Yosef was a Baki and he was a Sinai. Rabba was Oikar Harim. Rabba was Oikar Harim. So the simple Pshat, again, there's many, many Pshatim in, in, uh, in Oikar Harim. But Oikar Harim means that a mountain is an obstacle. If, if you're trying to drive and there's a mountain in front of you, it's an obstacle. And in learning, sometimes you're learning in a sugya, you have a kasha, it's an obstacle. You take one obstacle, you take another obstacle, you take your kashas, you grind them against each other. And from several kashas and several shavarakaitan, you build a sugya. That's what's called an oikarharam. He uproots mountains, tachanan zubizu, you grind them against each other, and you come out with a, you come out with a maskar. So Rabba was a, was a lamdin, Rabbi Yosef was a baki, and they wanted to know which one goes first. Which one goes to Rabba, Rabbi Yosef, Sina, Rabba, it's Shaita, the hour. Remember, we're trying to prove if a person allows himself to be pushed off by the hour. The hour required someone, a new Shashiva. Sholchul Hasam, they sent her at Yisrael the following Shaila. Sinai Vaikar Harim Ezimam Kaidim. Sinai or Eicher Harim, which one is first? Would the Sinai get the job? Then Rabbi Yisrael would get it. Would Eicher Harim get the job? Rabbi would get it. Sholchul Lehu, they sent back from Eretz Yisrael. Sinai Kaidem, a Sinai comes first. Why? Shehakol Tzrichim Lamarechiti. Everyone needs the man with the wheat. Which means whatever you want to make, you need wheat. You want to make pasta? You need the wheat man. You want to make bread? You need the wheat man. You want to make cookies? You need the wheat man. You want to make cakes? You need the wheat man. Whatever you're making, whatever your flavor is, you need the wheat man. So whatever lumdus you're going to make, you're going to bake a lumdus cake, you're going to make lumdus bread. Whatever you're going to make from the wheat, you need the wheat. And therefore, the man of the wheat... The man of the Bikias, the Sinai, should take precedence. So let's stop for a second to talk about this. So the first kash is, Martin Shabbos, when it talks about the questions they ask you when you die, one of the questions is, Pilpalta They ask you, did you do pilpal? 
They don't ask you when you die, how many ideas did you amass? They don't ask you when you die, how big of a senior are you? Now, listen, if, if they would be equal, so then do whatever you like. But if the Gemara here says that Sinai is Adif, wouldn't someone try to acquire that which is Adif? So why, when you die, it seems what's more important is your ability in Lundis, in Pilpul. Why would they do that? So there's a couple answers. The Bereshava, which is a Mepharish and Hurrius, says a very simple answer, which is for sure true. A pilpul, person that works, is totally an effort. The Sinai of our Gemara is God-given ability. So the Gemara here, and this is going to be the common theme between all the answers. The Gemara here is saying, listen, for a Rashiva, you want the person who has more knowledge. Now, I'm not saying he worked harder to get it. I'm not saying he's getting more Elam Haba for it. I'm not saying he's a more special person because of it. I'm just saying he's better Rashiva because of it. And therefore, when the Gemara in Shabbos is talking about who gets Elam Haba, who gets Elam Haba, whoever put in more effort. You can have a guy that, like, you know, learning with Shemar for him, he knows very little, but he worked very hard. That guy's getting a ton of Elam Haba, whereas you have a natural genius who, who just, ma- you know, like, masses information, and he masses information like a vacuum cleaner, then, then he doesn't get Elam Haba. So it's a very simple resolution to the Gemara. The Gemara, when it says, Eicher Haram Zadav Pilpalta B'chachma, that is asking a simple question. Did you put an effort in your learning? Our Gemara, says the Bar Shava, which talks about whether or not you, you who's a better Rashiva? Yeah, the guy with more information is better Rashiva. I'm not saying he's a better person. I'm not saying he's a, getting more Elam Haba. Didn't necessarily take less effort than the Okazara. So, the, so the, that's what the Bersheva is saying. That's the. You find all these, all these Russian Shivas who they, weren't, they couldn't learn as they, a kid. Right. The Bersheva is taking that liberty, which means the Bersheva is saying it's a, you know, it's a shtickle. And I don't know if he means a person against Rabbi Yosef. The Gemara here just says, as far as Rashiva is concerned, um, Sinai's, Sinai's Adif, I'm not getting into whether or not you work. But the Gemara in Shab is talking about one thing work. You're right. You're 100% right. If, the, if to amass the ideas that took work, then he would get the Elam Haba. Tysus in Erevin says a, says a, very, says a you know, very similar thing. In other words, over here, we're just asking who's a better Pisic. That's all. That's all. Very similar answer. But here's the weird thing. Tugumar here says that Sinai Zadif is Rabbi Yosef. Rabbah's Eicharim is not Adif. So, there's a rule in Shas. Rabbah verb Yosef, we paskin like one of them. Who do you think we paskin like in Shas when it's Rabbah versus Reb Yosef? Not what Argamara says here. Argamara says here that, that, we, that we gave the job to Reb Yosef, Kasina's Adif. But we paskin in Shas. Invariably, Rabbi of Rabbi Yisav, Allah except for Sadin Yunamechza. But beside three cases in Basra, we paskin like we paskin like Rabbi, which is the opposite of the Gemara came out over here. So, so the answer is is along those lines. You make him Rashiva because everyone needs him. It doesn't mean that he's the final address. He he's like. The broker, he has all the information, he has all the keys. 
but we don't paskin like him, and he's not more chashiv, which means the Gemara here is a very narrow question. Who should we have for Shiva? Not who's better, not who's, not who's getting Elam Haba, and not even who we paskin like, because none of them are true. But our Gemara is asking who should become Rashiva. So now, lower red and tachlis. You have two guys in Shul. One guy's a Sinai, one guy's an Eicher Harm. No names, Feinstein. One guy's a Sinai, one guy's an Eicher Harm. Who gets Shlishi? Who gets Shlishi? Who do we give precedence in Aliyah for orphans in Chesidah Shashul who gets Shishi? Who do we give precedence for the Sinai or the Eicher Harm? Well, the Shishi is a mean one. Eicher Harm's a lady. If the Eicher Harm's a lady, you, you're lucky, and if you're in a Chesidah you're lucky. Let's say you're in like good old Beis Talmud. And yeah, if two guys, now based on Talmud, the Sinai is probably, is probably not a very well-respected position, but if you have like a place that like a good Litvisha place and you have, you have a no-one Sinai and you have a no-one Eker Harm, who gets Shlishi? Says the Prima Godam Simon Kuflam which is the Sugya of Aliyah, it's a, it's a great beer, Halacha there, good stuff to go through over there, um, especially if you're a Feinstein types, you get the whole Kedima order. The man with the information comes first because Sinai Adif. So the Prima Godim says that our Gemara here has halachic ramifications that if you have a Shailu, who to give the Aliyah to? You give the Aliyah to the Sinai, not to the Iker Heart. Yeah, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. The thing is, Rabbi Shalom Klugger. It was around the same time as Prima Godin. Asked the following question. Nowadays, this is Kluger said this. Nowadays, everything's printed. There's nothing, no, nothing cool about being a Sinai anymore. With a slight search, you could find anything. Everyone's a Sinai. Now, Rishlema Kluger, I, I looked this up lived from 1785 to 1869. So in 1869, Urshleim Kluger already said, being a Bucky is not cool. Everyone knows everything. Now, he said this in 1869. There wasn't even Cheats Farm in those days. There wasn't the, there wasn't the, the, the computer. There wasn't anything. And, and Urshleim Kluger said, it stells a far nowadays. You should know, I just told someone, I thought last week, I had like that Chikava Maramak with that Radziner. And I thought that Radziner was a, was like, you know, wow, no one knows this Radziner. It's a very cool Maramakim. You know, whipped out the Radziner. I had to look something up the next day in a Masifta Gemara. It was on the bottom of a Masifta Gemara. So I was, I was lamenting to Martha. I said, like, no one's cool anymore. Between Masiftis and Gemara and Rabbi Rucham and Yomim Taivim, there's no one that has like a idea. I have something no one else. Everyone knows that information's not cool anymore. Information is the great equalizer. It's all in Lamdis. So Rishama Kluger said, Rishama Kluger said, nowadays, information is not a commodity. In 1869, information is not a commodity. And therefore, don't go with the Prima Gadim's Psak. The Lamdin gets the more Chashavali. So they asked this to Rechaim Knievsky. Now, we don't need to talk about Rechaim Knievsky's bikis. Rechaim Knievsky's bikis would be even impressive in terms of a <laughs> Like, Rechaim Knievsky, he had bikis. 
So the Asdur Chaim Knievsky, this is in Darachsicha, page Tafkov Gimel. The Asdur Chaim Knievsky knew who's right, the Primagodim, the the Shemakluger, is is information a commodity or not? This this reverence that we have for the Sinai is it true anymore? Or nowadays information is not cool. You know, everyone has real-time info, and therefore, we don't have chashivas. Chaim said, someone that's not a Sinai doesn't know where to look. So Chaim, can you ask, yeah, you know, you know, these things were all said in half-smile. So Chaim Kinevsky was saying, Riley, W-R-Y, Riley, that, that being a Sinai is still, is still a mile. That although, although, if I give you enough time, you could probably get any information that you need to get. If I give you enough research tools, etc. But the ability to know where to look and how to look is still something that is worthwhile. And Abraham Knievsky was like, don't throw away the Sinai so fast. It's a, you know, interesting, interesting Shailov had a look at life. So anyway, so they offer the jobs, the jobs open, Robert Yasef, who should get the job? So, so they said, Sinai wins, Rabbi Yasef wins. Afal Pekain, Lekibola of Rabbi Yasef. Rabbi Yasef did not take the job. They came and said, listen, the psak is you win, the job is yours. I don't want the job. Why? Most fascinating reason. Because the Amalek Kaldai, the Chaldeans, so the Chaldeans were an ancient people, and they were big astrologers, stargazers. And the astrologers told him, we looked in the, in the horoscopes, and you have about two years of leadership in you. Which means, the minute you become Rashiva, the clock starts ticking on your two years. The longer you dreitzach and you don't become Rashiva, the longer you live. So if you like turn down the job for 50 years, then you have 52 years to live. If you turn down the job for a year, then you have three years to live. Once you start the job, you're on the clock and the clock will expire after two years. This is what the Chaldean stargazers told him. Now, before we go weiter, how is that allowed? How is what Rav Yosef just did allowed? It says you're not allowed to ask the Chaldeim because it says in the Torah So there's a fundamental between the Ramban and the Rambam. The Ramban is very fundamental. The Ramban says you're not allowed to seek them out. But A, what they say is true and B, if somehow you get information from them you could, you could use it. You can't base your life. Tamim Tia means you can't say, hmm, I have a decision to make. Should I buy Bitcoin or not buy Bitcoin? Let me go ask the, the Chaldeans. Should I marry this Shidduch? Should I not marry this Shidduch? Let me ask the Chaldeans. Should I, you know, what Masech what should we learn next? Should I ask the Chaldeans? No, no, no. You can't seek advice. That's a violation of Tamim Tia. Tamim Tia is you go with HaKadosh Baruch. But it doesn't say what they say is wrong. And as long as you don't seek it out, as long as you don't seek it out, you're able to do it. So, like Durambah, what happened over here is very simple. 
Chaldean walks over to Rabbi Yosef as he's walking in the street and says, you should know. You have two years from the time you take the job till you die. Thank you, sir. I would have never gone to the office of the Chaldean stargazer, but if they came over to me in the street, I'm allowed to accept it. That's the Ramban's position. The Rambam says in Hil Chasavei Dezar, Parakir Aleph, that everything they say is Shekhar V'chazov, and, it's, and therefore, since it's baloney, it doesn't matter if you seek it out or not. It's a whole fundamental difference. The Ramban says it's not baloney. If it's not baloney, what's this? Or this or seeking it out. So if you get it, you're allowed to do it. But according to the Rambam, that it's Sheker V'chaz, of his words, it's baloney. So if it's baloney, even if you don't seek it out, if you trust it, you're still violating the same love. Because the love is not don't seek it out. The love is, it's baloney, don't believe it. Once that's the love, it makes no difference if you seek it out where it finds you. It's all bad. It's all bad. And therefore, like the Rambam, it is very, very, very hard to hear how Rabbi Yosef went along with this. In either case. So, the Kaldian song, your reign is going to last two years. So that's what happened. Malach Rabbe, Malach Rabbe, Esser Metartin Shnin, Rabbe became Roshiva because Rabbi Yosef turned down the job. He served for 22 years as Roshiva. Then Rabbi Yosef took the job afterwards, and as the Chaldeans predicted, Malach Rabbi Yosef Tartin Shnin Upalga, two and a half years, a little bit off. That's maybe why the Rambam means Roshakar Vachazav. Kohanach Shani, the Malach Rabbe, by the way, those 22 years where Rabbi Yosef was. The Rosh Hashiva, who turned down the job, but still was Rosh Hashiva, we have to talk about this, I guess not tonight. He didn't take any benefits of the office. He didn't even call the doctor to his house, which means if you're the Rosh Hashiva, the doctor makes house calls. If you're a regular guy, he tells you, come into the office and wait online like everybody else. So when Rabbi Yosef could have been Rosh Hashiva but wasn't, how did he act? Did he act like a Rosh Hashiva, just like didn't take the job, and therefore he, he like, and there's just one example of many, the doctor should make house calls to me? Or did he act like a regular citizen in deference to Rabbah? I don't want to step on your toes. You're the Rosh Hashiva, I'm not Rosh Hashiva. And therefore he went, he waited in the office, in the waiting room, like everybody else. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yosef waited in the waiting room like everybody else. We have to talk about this last Gemara, but, but uh, we'll stop here tonight. That's tonight's Gemara. Again, no Habur tomorrow night is PTA. So, we had a Gemara. We ended with a Gemara on Monday night. So it was an incredible Gemara, a lot of hack. The Gemara was the story with Rabbi Yosef and Rabbah. Who should become Rashiva? Sinai or Harim? Rabbah was an Harim, Rabbi Yosef was Sinai. The Psak came down that uh, Sinai should become Rashiva. The even so, Rabbi Yosef didn't want to because he heard from the Chaldeans that you're only going to be in the job two years. So he let Rabbah go for 22 and a half years, which is why, which is why the Gemara is here because we're looking at called Dechikas Hashem. No one pushes off the hour. So Rabbi Yosef then became Rashiva for two and a half years. Beautiful, great story. The Gemara just mentioned in the end, as an afterthought, by the way, for those 22 and a half years where Rabbi Yosef was the, 
you know, opposition nominee for Rashiva. He was the minority leader. And he could he had the job, he was the presumptive Rashiva, but turned it down for all those years. He didn't call the doctor to his house. The Umna is literally a blood letter, but you know, for our for our purposes, he didn't call the doctor to his house. Okay, amazing story. Why didn't he call the doctor to his house? Pashtus. Because, you know, if you act like Rosh Hashiva, if you take the fringe benefits of Rosh you're basically saying, hey, I'm the Rosh you're the pretender. And like, you're, so he didn't have any, any um, accoutrements of being Rosh He didn't do anything Rosh Hashiva, Dick. He, I'm, I'm not Rosh I'm not Rosh It's Rab. Or, or he didn't want to use the, the position it was like a shtickle dishonest. Those are the, those are the standard pshat. In Tesis HaRosh, says an amazing pshat. He said it was because of humility. What does that mean? It doesn't mean he didn't call the doctor to his house because he was humble. He gave the position to Rabbah. And as reward from Shamayim for his humility, he didn't have any medical needs in him or his family for 22 years. When it says he didn't call a doctor to his house, it wasn't that he proud, I'm not calling a doctor, I'll go to the office. It wasn't as if he said, I am not going to afford myself this covenant. For the act of humility that he did, he was rewarded with the, he was rewarded with the, uh, with the reward of not needing medical care for him nor his family for 22 years. Amazing Taisa Rush. But it gets better. This is part and parcel with being called Sinai. Sinai isn't simply a statement of Bikiyas. Oh, he knows a lot he's a Sinai. No. Sinai is everything Har Sinai represents. What does Har Sinai represent? That just because the entire Torah is stored within you, you still act like you're the smallest mountain. So it's not coincidental that he was Sinai, should have been Rashiva, and coincidentally he was an Anav. No, part and parcel of being a Sinai, of being someone who Kola Terakula is stored within him, is a natural Anivus. So we have over here two ingredients. Number one, the anivas that comes because of Sinai. Number two, the reward for such anivas is not needing medical care. Zakhtar B'chaim Palaji, to put this all together, that's why Klal Yisrael was cured of all their ailments on Har Sinai. You see that the, 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 the kickback effect, the, the, the outcome of experience with Sinai is curative. When a person goes to Sinai, when a person gets all the Yediyah Satira and part and parcel of the Yediyah Satira is the Anova, is the concomitant Anova that comes along with it, then the, the result is cures. And that's how everyone got cured in Harsina. None of it is coincidental. An amazing Rukhayim Palaji. So that was, that was the Haisafer from last time. Continues the Gemara. And remember, we're, we're on the lookout what is the order of all of these Gemaras? So, so far, this Gemara, the, the last Gemara ended three lines into the page. That was the speeches in Yavna at the end of his man or the beginning of his man. We started the first Gemara, this first Reb Oven Halevi, 
First of all, was um, anyone who tries pushing time, time pushes back. Anyone who accepts time, um, time will be in his favor. And that was Rabbi Yosef who didn't push the moment, allowed the moment to wait, allowed himself to wait for the moment of becoming Rashiva. He got 22 extra years of life. Continues the Gemara. We are on Samach Dalet Amid Aleph. We're on Samach Dalet Amid Aleph. About 10 lines down. Next, So ostensibly, the only connection between this Gemara and the last Gemara is the name. Let's put out in the Passover, we say every morning, Hashem should answer you on a day that you're in trouble and you need Him. You'll be uplifted with the name with the God of Yaakov Avinu. Why is Yaakov Avinu specifically the one who we look to on the day of Tzara. Maishna, it's Yaakov and not Yitzchak and Avram. Why is Yaakov the one that we look to for help on the day of Tzara? I mean, the God of Yaakov, meaning B'schus Yaakov, this Rebbein should save us on the day of Tzara. Why B'schus Yaakov? Says the Gemara, Mikan, from here you see a raya, Labal Hakura, to the owner of a beam, Shiyichnas Ba'ave that he should enter, Shikrikharain, to the Kishkis of the beam. What does that mean? So, first of all, the marshal. The marshal is when you own a valuable piece of lumber that is suitable to be a beam, you know, so like that is the most money you're going to get for this piece of wood. It's big, it's round, it's strong, it's, it's intact, it's one piece. So this thing has value as a beam. When you own a valuable asset, a commodity, don't let others handle it. Because the mover men, they don't care about your beam, they don't care about your money, they smash it and chip it and bang it and bang into the walls. If you want something moved properly and taken care of property, properly, be hands-on. Don't don't contract it out. Don't parcel it out. Mikan lebal hakura, the owner of the beam, shikanis ba'evishal kura. Let him enter the depth of the beam, the thickness of the beam. You take care of your stuff, and that marshals the Avinu. That as much as Avram Avinu is our grandfather, and Yitzchak is our grandfather. Yaakov Avinu was the hands-on father of the Shvatim. Yaakov Avinu was the one that hands-on dealt with Klal Yisrael's Tsaras. So even to this day, when we have a young Tsara, who do we call out? We call out to Yankov Avinu. He's the Balakura. He's the one that has the most interest in keeping the beam Klal Yisrael safe. That's the next Gemara. V'omer above and Alevi. Third Gemara. Kol ha-nehen ha-misudas misudas she-tamuchacham shari b'saycha. Anyone who takes part is nena from a Suda, that a Tamuchacham is there, it's like he partook, and he was Nene, from the, the shine of the Shechina itself. Shenemar, like we find in the Pasuk, and Aaron, and all of this Canaan came, and they ate bread, with the Shever of Moshe, that's Yisrael, Lifnei Alekim. Really? Was Hashem at the Suda? Was Hashem there? It was in front of Moshe. 
the Teretz is, since Moshe was there, and he was at the Suda, it was like Hashem was there. If your nana from a meal that the Tamachacham is there, it's as if your nana is of Ashkina. By the way, Does he have to be eating too? So, so first of all, I was going to say, this, this day was Yom Kippur. The, this day was Yom Kippur. So there is precedent for eating on Yom Kippur. First of all, Shleim HaMelech made a suda one year on Yom Kippur when he made the base of Mikdash. But, so someone wants to bring that as precedent, but everyone says, no, no, that, that's bad. Shleim was rebuked for that. It was not well received. Um, there is precedent for, for when Yom Kippur, and this was after Mount Terror, so it's not one of these things that you could say, like, you know, you're, you're okay. It's right after Mount Terror. There is precedent that if you know your Yom Kippur was effective, that, then you could eat, which, you know, is maybe where you want to go. Or you could say what you're saying, but then we have a problem. You could say they didn't eat. What they ate meant was that they were Nehenna from Shechina, which is what a lot of people say. It wasn't real food. But then it's not such a crisp limud to call in the hand of the Tamachacham Sharab Seichai is Kilu Nehenna Mesiva Shechina. It's not a suda that a Tamachacham's in. So there's no like no clean way out of it. But the bottom line is, is that is that your if your person's nana, if your if a person's nana from a suda that a Tamachacham's in, then then it's like he's nana from the Zivashchina. So all the Mafarshim say. That the pshat is because the Tamachacham is going to say Tyra. So now already, we're starting to develop a pattern. And what's the pshat? If the Tamachacham is saying Tyra, then the Kedusha seeps into all the other aspects of the meal and it infuses the Gashmias with Ruchnis. We are starting to see a pattern in these, in these Mamarim of the Gemara. That, that there is a residual effect of an act of Kedusha or an act of Chesed or one of these acts. So the first Gemara was by not pushing time, by allowing time to push you, you benefit from the residual. A little weak, but then the next Gemara is that we're still benefiting from Yaakov Avinu's involvement. Okay, again, you see some type of theme that... A, an act or a posture that happened years ago is still paying dividend. Now it's even getting stronger that 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 a person who's nana from a suda that a tamuchacham is in that measure of kedusha seeps and has a spillover effect into the rest of into the rest of the suda. Now continues the gemara. Continues the gemara. V'amar above an alevi. Another member from Rabbav and Alevi. Hanifter mechaveri. If a person is taking leave of his friend, you're saying goodbye. A person is taking leave of his friend. Al Do not say to him, Leich bishalem. Go with peace, as in you have it in your pocket. Go with your peace. Because that's saying, you're, by the way, just in general, peace for shalom. Bad definition. Shalom means completion. Shalom means perfection. Shlemus. Of course, peace is a necessary component of shalom because when there's machlekes and division, 
there's no shalom, there's no shlemus, there's no peace, there's no harmony. But shalom overall is, that's why it's a name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not peace, which is the lack of war. Where did peace come from? Elias ben Yehuda. No, no, I mean, you understand you where it comes from. Shalom is complete, that makes sense. But, like, peace is, like, not... You want to know where the translation comes from? Yeah, like, they're so far off. I can't tell. It's not far off. It's a component. People all the time define... everything's complete? Yeah, people all the... No, they don't realize the bigger meaning. People all the time define something by a component of it. But but knows the better definition for shalom is completion. Shalom aleichem means I mean I don't just wish peace upon you, yeah, shleimus harmony. The the best word for shalom, which which you'll get a lot of like weird looks, is harmony. Peace and harmony. harmony means everything's working in concert, which is shleimus, just shalom, which is shalem. Completion. So when I say Shalom Aleichem, I don't mean completion upon you. <laughs> right? So it's, it's, it's a state of being complete, which is harmonious. Everything is working in concert. Everything balanced. That's Shalom. Of course, Machlekes is a massive detriment to that. Of course, pain is a detriment to that. Of course, missing is a detriment to that. But no, the, the word itself encompasses all of it. I think. Um, peace can yeah, I mean, yeah, no, like, yeah, 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 like sichot shalom, like you know, peace talks. Yeah, like you know, yeah, it doesn't mean completion talks. Yeah, peace in your life and all. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, like also now, like peace became also a weird word. Like, right, exactly. So, sure, maybe it's connected. Maybe that's where you come from. Anyway, so when you say to your friend, Leich Bishalom, go with your peace. That means your life is complete. The last thing any alive person <laughs> wants to hear is uh, your mission, your work is done here because then there's no reason for you to be on earth. That is a death sentence in a nutshell. So don't tell your friend, because you're telling uh, your work is done here. But rather, go to completion, which means... I wish you that you should be matzliach extremely, and eventually you should achieve completion, but not yet. You have, I would say you have about another 80 years left of work to do here on this earth, or 75 years to do, you know, to achieve completion. But, but not that you're complete. Now, lech lishalom. Sharei Yisrei Moshe. Yisrei told Moshe, lech lishalom. When Yisrael bid farewell to Moshe at this point, he said, all of it's there. Moshe Rabbeinu went and was matzliach with his life. David, David who said to Avshalem, go with peace, Avshalem ended up getting hung. Now, the Mepharshim asked, I didn't see it in Brachas this morning, but I remember from Shmuel, the Mepharshim asked, David didn't want to kill Avshalem. David did not want Avshalom to die. He didn't want the rebellion. But when Avshalom died, David was distraught. So, so 
did David not know this? Did David did, was it was like a kishkaga shalit? Was the rebbeinu talking from David's mouth? Like what exactly was David doing? Yisrael, I don't know, advertently or inadvertently, wanted Moshe to be matzliach, so he said leich and it happened. David, David's the greatest wordsmith in Israel's history, so he he had to have known. This this pshat that we're saying now, so why did David tell Avshalom Lech Bishalom? Did he mean he should die having done tshuva, but he had to die? And and when he died, David was distraught because he hadn't done tshuva. Can't say there wasn't one before that. This created a precedent for the call. But in other words, it, it's not. We're not saying abracadabra. We're saying svar de gazachin. So if Yaakov Rand could fresh date a svar, David Amel could fresh date a svar. Trust me. <laughs> I, you know, I remember this from seventh grade from Rabbi Dinowitzer's class, by the way. Did by you the get a way. Huh? I don't remember if I got a ticket, but I remember this shot. Huh? <laughs> when I was in seventh grade, I won't tell you what Bachel was doing. <laughs> he was still better than me in basketball, but <laughs> but uh, he was in third grade or something like that. Um, yeah, they weren't in Machina with us. Yeah. Um, but um, I, don't, I don't know the answer I don't know you're saying David didn't know David coined the phrase but we're not it's not a phrase it's, we're not I coined a phrase he used this, this Lushan and then he got killed so, so we learned out from there that this Lushan is probably not a good Lushan to use then, then we don't need our Pshat then it's just like an abracadabra You, you go first. You go to Buffalo. You go to Rebus. Then you start believing in Kameis and, and, and incantations. <laughs> I don't know where you're going to be next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Says the Gemara. And of course, the opposite is true with a dead person. When taking leave of a dead person, al do not tell him, go to achieve peace. That is the ultimate tease. Because you're telling a mace who's incapable of doing anything, of achieving anything, that you better go complete your mission. What a horrible thing to say to him. He can't do anything, and you're basically munning him for not having done what he needed to do, and he's not in peace, which is the worst thing for a mace, and you're telling him, oh boy, you better go achieve peace, but he can't. That's terrible. Elalech bishalim. Rather, the proper thing to say with a mace is, you've achieved everything in your life. You've finished your mission. You have the shalom. Bishalom, go with your completion, and then, you know, go off into the other world. Shenemar, va'ata, tavei el aveisecha, bishalom. When you die, you will come to your fathers, of Avinu, bishalom. Okay. Now, Continues the Gemara with this stretch of members. Let's do one more tonight. A person who goes from Shul in the morning and goes to the Bismedrish, with that, he's Zeicha to be Makabal Pneashina. Shanamar, Yelcha Michael Choyel, go from strength to strength, Yira El Elekim Bitsiyan. What's pshat in this gemara? So I saw someone say a very nice pshat. There's an Arizal 
The machzah shekel brings in halacha. I don't, I don't know from my results. There's a, there's a machzah shekel halacha that brings that if let's say you have a slot to say tehillim either before davening or after davening, which means you, you could carve out of your schedule an hour, 15 minutes for davening. So the question is, do you come 15 minutes early to certain minion, say tehillim for 15 minutes, then daven? Or do you go to the earlier minion, finish minion, and then say the same 15 minutes of tehillim after davening? If a, obviously, if you don't have a choice, you do what you could. You know, if, if the, if the shachas you go to, right afterwards you have to go to work, so obviously say tehillim for shachas. But if you could arrange your schedule, schedule as such, and you're going to say tehillim in conjunction with davening, is it better to do it preparatory, or is it better to do it after davening? The chassidim all say tehillim before davening. Um, you know, to get, to get in the frame of mind for tefillah, which, again, may be necessary because if you don't have a good tefillah, it ain't going to work, so you got to do whatever you got to do to have a good tefillah. But, assuming everything else is equal, if you have a choice to say till before davening or after davening, says that Rizal, and the Machzah Shekel brings this lalacha, you should save the tehillim after davening. The whole tehillim achar tefillah yesh oisei hashboas kedusha shel tefillah b'tzibur asher nimshach gam letefillah achar kach. The Rizal says that, and this is the theme we keep on saying, that there is a carryover, there is a bleed through, that the maila that we achieved by tefillah, the levels, the, the connection that we achieved by tefillah is portable. And we could take it and then infuse our next act with it. The Machzashagel brings a ride from Gemara we had earlier in, in Brachas that you could sort of seize a moment and carry it with you. It's portable. We had this by Bilam that said that Bilam knows Das Elyon and he knows when Akash Baruch will get mad. But but Akash Baruch Hu only gets mad for 158,888th of a second. So Tysus asked over there. What, what exactly could you do in a nanosecond? Like, you know, how, how much good cursing could you get in in a nanosecond? So Tyson, one answer Tyson says, just say, Kalein, destroy him. The other answer Tyson says is if you start then, it carries forward. So the Machzah Shekel says, you see from there that once you seize a moment, you own that moment and you can carry it with you. There's a carryover ability. There's a bleeding ability. And therefore, the, the, the Machzah Shekel says, Machzah Shekel says that if you could say to him after Tefillah B'Tzibur, so you've just achieved an incredible mile, you were mamish talking to your mamish atzilas, you were mamish in the highest elamis, then seize that connection, seize that conversation, which is, by the way, what we do by Tachlan, that's the whole vart of Tachlan. That's why Tachlan is so dangerous, because you're talking through your Shalom, not during Tefillah. That's why Tachlan is very important to have Kavana, which, by the way, is why Chesidim take every opportunity not to say Tachlan at Mincha, because it's very hard to do this properly. In fact, we Ashkenazim don't say the right capital for Tillim. You know that. The right capital is the one the Sardim saying. We know that. We're too scared to play with the live wire, and therefore we like, like, we fudge it. We say the wrong we say the wrong capital, which is why I see them do their best not to say till at Mincha because it's very hard during the day to like retain that level of Kedusha. I mean, don't worry. Yes, from see, give me a nasty look when asking like if, if I dive in here, do I not say you know, of course you say Tachnu. But um but whatever, that's the that's the mindset in here. So says Darizal, if you could, you should say till after Davani, you should keep the moment. That's the Pshat in the Skimara. That's the Pshat in the Skimara. That 
that I know it's a good word, but please. Um, that's that's the, the Pshat in this Gemara. That if you could take your tefillah and the level that you have and infuse it into your learning, if you go from the from the tefillah to the bismedrash, then imagine the level of kedusha you have. And once again, we see this theme, this theme running through every single one of these sugis. We'll, we'll finish it tomorrow. The, the theme running through these sugis is the ability of a maila to keep going and the gift that keeps on giving. And, and this is, this is mamash something, especially this Gemara, that you can take through your day. It, the Arizal is telling you, and the Mach is telling you, and this Gemara is telling you, is that the maila that you get by davening is not something that has to stay in davening. You can take that Kedusha and you can infuse it into the Bismarck. You could take that Kedusha and infuse it into breakfast. You could take that Kedusha and infuse it into work. There's, there's a portability of a mile, there's a portability of a level, and that's the theme of these Gemaras, one after another, that if you're there's a, there's a portability, there's a carryover effect that you're able to take a Mila and transport it elsewhere and infuse the next thing with that level of Kedusha. We'll finish Bazar Hashem the Sakhta tomorrow.